Spectrum is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. The Scripps College offers the foundation for individuals seeking to blend creativity and practice so that graduates have the freedom to direct their skills and move the world forward. Its faculty takes a multidisciplinary approach to academic, professional, and social growth so that graduates have relentless optimism to navigate the changing environment. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Al Lutzen, host of the podcast Reveal, public radio's first hour-long investigative journalism show and podcast. He also is the former host and executive producer of State of the Reunion podcast for PRX and National Public Radio. Al also is a playwright, performance poet, writer, and actor. We talk about how Americans talk with one another and when it's important to talk and when it's necessary to just walk away. Al, we've got a situation in this country where people either aren't talking to each other at all, aren't having conversations, or they're screaming at at each other. Uh, You're going to be talking about when to talk, when to walk, and how to always stand your truth. Give us a little preview of what you're going to be talking about. We are a divided country. Um, I don't think it's new. I think we've been a divided country for a really long time. Um, And I think uh, that where we are now and with the work that I've been doing, I've been thinking a lot about, so what does that mean? And how do you uh, affect change and how do you make the world a better place? And and I think a lot of that has to do with um, talking, listening. I think listening is probably more important than actually talking. But listening... um, you know, speaking your truth, but then also like trying to find um, places where people agree and also where you can go out and do the work to make change. And that's a fine line to walk, though, <laughs> to decide. No, it's really fine line. When, when to push and, and when to just step back and, and listen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, I think that number one, like, like we should always, find the space and time to listen, especially the people that we disagree with. Um, because I think if you, if you take the time to actually listen to somebody that you disagree with, you begin to like really understand what the issue is. Um, you got to like dig through some, some stuff. You got to be a really active listener because a lot of times the things that people say are the problem is it, not really what the problem is. Um, but I think you got to like listen very deeply and and then think about like what your response is going to be to it. I mean, I am not of the belief that like I I don't um, argue with people about other other people or my humanity. Like it's just like a thing I'm not going to argue with you about. So if um, for example, like um, if if a white supremacist uh, believes that like people of color should leave this country, you know, like I'm not really going to have those arguments with them. Um, I will, though, listen to what their argument is so I can understand it. 
Um, and I can understand it and be able to push back, push back on it, especially with people who um, don't have the same strident views that they do. Uh, people that may be, um, that may listen to their rhetoric and think, oh, hey, uh, you know, what they're saying sounds correct. I want to be able to like know what that argument is so I can push back on it. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, I, I think you, you just have to make some really smart decisions and, and really draw some lines in the sand for yourself as far as, like, what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. It seems to me that, especially now, when perhaps for the whole history of the country, uh, we refuse or are reluctant to have conversations about certain topics, race, sexuality, uh, to be a couple of examples. Yeah, agreed. I think that, um, well, I think that like what ends up happening is that like, because we, we, we may hit on a conversation, it may have some kind of uh, a moment, but we don't actually follow those conversations up with anything. Um, for example, like when, um, I remember during the, uh, Barack Obama, um, uh, uh, while he was president, um, there was an incident with uh, Henry Louis Gates when he was trying to uh, get into his house and a cop arrested him. Right. And it turned it into, turn, turned into this really big thing. Um, and, you know, we had a momentary conversation about it, uh, but also, like, we didn't really, like, really talk about it. And so, uh, you know, I mean, we talked, it was a news item for like a week or two and then it went away. But these racial problems will always keep coming back because we don't have sustained conversations about it. And then when we do have conversations, um, they're filled with, with, with flash, but not a whole lot of substance. One thing I wanted to, to ask you about was the, when you did the reunion podcast, you really traveled across the country and looked at a community and and community building. Did you find different conversations at the community level than, say, you find at the political level? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that like what all of our major problems in America today, uh, the solutions are all happening on the community level, because like on the community level, you don't really have a choice. Um, You've got to, like, if, if there's a pressing issue facing the community, you've got to figure it out. Um, and, yes, their, their politics gets involved in that, too. Like, it's not like this utopia uh, of American society at all. But, uh, but yeah, I, I actually see that, like, hard conversations have been had uh, and community members had to figure things out. And as a result, uh, they had a... M- perhaps a microcosm of the political system, but it was uh, removed basically from the rhetoric we hear from Washington. Yeah. And, and, you know, so like when I was doing State of the Reunion, um, the country was also in a very different place. Right. So I don't know how much of that has changed, but at the time it felt pretty hopeful. It felt like, you know, um, this is where change can actually happen. I think that what's happened with our politics now is uh, that it's gotten so toxic that I believe that a lot of that may be uh, infecting our um, our local politics. But I don't know that for a fact because I'm not doing that show anymore, and it's sure. really different type of work that I'm doing. But but I have a suspicion that like you know the pendulum has swung and things have changed a bit. 
you've you went from that show to reveal and and looking at long form investigative uh, reporting. Uh, obviously, there's a market for that because that that shows in incredibly popular. Uh, who is your audience for that show? You know, I think our audience for Reveal uh, are people who really want to understand, like, what's happening behind the scenes. I think that, you know, there is a general hunger um, to really understand what's going on uh, within the halls of power and big corporations and really trying to break it down. And so I think that that's part of the, then the success of the show is, that the people that really love the show are, are, are the type that really want to know what's going on, not in their community, in the world. And, and, and they need, um, you know, it, it's one thing to like hear this, this type of reporting um, on news programs that just kind of give you big headlines. But I think the people that come to our show, you know, want a deeper understanding. Um, and we, you know, we do it with a lot of storytelling. So uh, I feel like uh, the time just kind of, is right for the type of work that we do. It, it, it's different than um, Washington reporting, uh, different than New York Times, Washington Post, uh, even NPR. It, even NPR, it's different. Uh, yeah. It, it's, try to define that difference for us. Well, I think that it's, it's different in, in, in two folds. One, I think that... Um, you know, every uh, all those organizations you met, mentioned uh, do really valuable and excellent work. I think that what we're trying to do is a little bit different in the sense of, um, I would say we take what, say, the Washington Post and the New York Times does, we combine it a little bit with NPR does. So the Washington Post and New York Times are great at, like, hardcore uh, journalism, Um and NPR does hardcore journalism as well, but also does really good with like sound rich um, and, and placing you in, in a scene, right? Placing you in a place, taking you somewhere. Um, and so we take all of those elements. And then I think, you know, when they first hired me for this job, I, before we knew what Reveal was, like I, I'm, I'm the only host Reveal's had. And before that we knew what Reveal was, we were, kind of trying to figure it out. And one of the things that I said to them when they hired me is that, like, you know, I'm, I'm not like your typical newsman. I'm not going to sound like Dan Rather and Tom Brokaw. And um, those are the newsmen that I grew up loving. <laughs> right. and, and, um, and so, uh, and they said to me, exactly, like, that's exactly what we're looking for, somebody that can um, help us tell these stories, but not come from this... Um, this old school way of, of, of doing news. We wanted, they wanted to do it a little bit different. They wanted somebody that was a storyteller. Um, and, and I think that the way I do my narration, the way I think about the work that I do, it's all about that. Like, I want to give you the information. I want to hold people accountable, but I also want to be as human as possible. And so, um, I want to have empathy for the people, um, that, you know, have, have gotten the, the short end of the stick. I want to, uh, I want to hold the powerful accountable. I want to like walk the listener through these tough stories, uh, in a way that feel like we're old friends. And so I think that like, when you take all of those things together, uh, it, it, it makes reveal a very different thing. And, and also, like, I would say that we, 
pay so much attention to the storytelling and how we're telling a story and, um, and, 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 you know, the, the methods that we use and, and recognizing that, you know, we are competing with a lot of different things to get people's ears on these important stories. And so how can we compete in a way that, um, that brings people in, but also stays true to journalism? It's, uh, if I could characterize it, it's respectful. Uh, it's investigative, but it's respectful at, at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, that, that's like one of our major goals um, when we think about like the type of work that we're doing. That's absolutely it. Do you do your own writing uh, on the show? I do a little bit of it. Um, you know, sometimes, so it, it sort of depends on the episode. Um, we're working on an episode now where um, I've done like a, a lot of writing on it. Um, but we've also done episodes before where, um, and this is probably more normal than not, we do episodes where uh, the producers um, have been working on it for a really long time. And then I come in and I'm sort of like the icing on the cake. And so they'll have already figured out like, hey, Al, we need you to say X, Y, and Z. Um, I may change the script a little bit, um, or I may like just keep it the exact same that they've, you know, what they've already done. So it just really kind of depends. I did a script yesterday where um, pretty much everything was, you know, written out, like everything that I was supposed to say. And then as me and um, our uh, um, coordinating producer were recording it, I looked down, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Let's say this line, let's do this. Or, and also like um, the way I read it, like I interpret the words and try to change it and put it into my voice. So it's, it's, it's a mixture. You have concentrated, uh, you've done a million different things, but you have concentrated a lot on podcasting as, as a primary force of, of storytelling. Uh, we didn't even get to mention that you have your own podcast on the side of, of all of this. Uh, talk about why you've chosen that as a medium, perhaps a primary medium for you. You know, I mean, the, the, it's a couple of different reasons. Um, one, I think that like the medium chose me. Um, I got really fortunate in how I got into podcasting and radio. I won, um, the public radio talent quest, which kind of set me on this journey. Um, before then I, you know, I listened to public radio, but I didn't know anything about it. Um, I didn't know how to make it and it wasn't like a goal of mine. Um, but yeah, uh, I started doing it and, um, I fell in love with it. I think the greatest thing about, uh, podcasting and, and radio is of all the other things that I do, uh, which are comic books and, um, theater, spoken word, uh, even like, you know, writing. The beautiful thing about podcasting is that it is by far the most intimate form of art. And so um, what I mean by that is that, um, you know, when I am recording uh, anything, like I'm thinking about the fact that most people are listening to me in their earbuds or in their car by themselves. And so it's just me and the listener. Um, and that's so intimate and so like amazing to be able to like have a connection with somebody like that. Um, and so for, as a performer, as a storyteller, uh, it just doesn't get better than that. So you're, for me, like I, I just love it. 
you're talking one-on-one then with a person yes. as opposed to sitting behind the mic and thinking, okay, I'm talking to thousands or millions. Exactly. You're, you're exactly. talking to, to one person. Absolutely. Like I never, ever, ever think about like, oh my God, I'm talking to millions of people ever. I always think about like I'm talking to one person. Um, and I think it's like when people tell me that they listen to the show, I think that like I'm always shocked because in my head, like the person I'm talking to really is just, <laughs> it's just one person. Um, <laughs> and so like, like when a lot of people say it, I'm like, Oh, you, this, Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm always shocked by it. You, you have so many creative outlets as you've talked about, you've been a poet, a playwright, uh, the, the DC comics, uh, that, that, really intrigues me. Uh, talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I uh, applied for, so I've been making uh, my own little comic books. Um, they're, you know, in the comic book industry, I guess you would call them uh, indie comics, because uh, I didn't have a publisher. It was just me kind of self-publishing and, and doing some things that I really loved. And, um, and through that, um, I was able to join um, DC Comics for a while was doing like a fellowship where they uh, brought people who were doing independent comics, small books, and uh, taught them how to write comic books the DC way. Um, And so I was uh, in the second cohort of that, uh, which was an amazing experience. I got to like learn from, you know, one of the best comic book writers uh, around, Scott Snyder. Uh, I was in a class full of, uh, like, really amazing writers who, uh, you know, it's been like two years now, we're all still really tight. Um, and, and we share each other's work. I mean, it's, it's, it was an amazing experience. Um, and so, yeah, I got to write one of their characters. Um, uh, and also what happened uh, in, in that is that you got to, like, now, like, I know who to talk to at DC Comics when I want to pitch an idea. So, uh, yeah, it was just an amazing thing, I, I, and I love working with them. It's, it's amazing that in, in podcasting, you paint word pictures by, by yes. your narrative or, or by your sound bites uh, with uh, the graphic novels or, or comic books. You're combining with the graphic artist. Is, is that a new thing for you? No, I mean, you know, I, I'm dyslexic, and um, part of the way that I learned how to read was by comic books. Uh, so I have such a deep, deep love for comic books. I, I honestly, you know, if you, you know, went back in time and told 10-year-old Al that one day he would make his living off of reading, um, I think he <laughs> would be like, uh, are you crazy? Um and so I, I think that like what taught me like reading comprehension and up my, my knowledge of all of that stuff was definitely comic books. So for me, um, yeah, like working in comic books feels like fulfilling a, a lifelong dream. Well, you're doing so much and you're doing it all very well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Today, we've been talking with Al Lutzen, the host of the podcast Reveal, about the status of interpersonal communication in America. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. 
Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or at NPR One. Spectrum also is available at the NPR Podcast Directory. We always welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through one of your podcast outlets. Thank you.